WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest is the writer of Quests Aside from Vault Comics, Brian Shermer. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, guys. It's good to be here. So uh, the last time you were on the show was April 2019, which now has the dubious honor of being considered a more innocent time. Uh, how, how was your pandemic? Oh, my gosh. Um, better than most, I will say. I, I think a lot of people got hit hard one way or another. Um, we, my wife and I, uh, Danny Coleman, and we... we currently live in a 420 square foot apartment in San Francisco. So you can imagine lockdown was uh, something. Sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the beauty of it is if there was ever, you know, uh, we've been married uh, be, be five years in January, if there was ever going to be a test to whether or not we would be able to stick it out through anything, that was it. Uh, <laughs> and we passed with flying colors and, and you know, happy to say that that no one in our you know immediate family uh, took ill we didn't lose anybody um and as i say obviously we are kind of the exception to the rule uh, in that regard um and still i'm i'm proud no uh fortunate enough to say that neither one of us have gotten covid yet um and i say yet because it's inevitable yes yes knock on the nearest wood like substance <laughs> What about you guys? So far, so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not knock wood. Yeah, no, my uh, my wife did catch it at uh, at Christmas when uh, every everyone seemed to have caught it, or almost everyone, uh, I should say. You know, the old uh, Omicron wave there, but uh, otherwise, yeah, we've uh, been all right. No, uh, none too worse for wear. She had she didn't have horrible. Is she? Oh, yeah. is she? Is she fully recovered or does she feel like she, so no, no long COVID? No right? longs, no longs. Good. Yeah. Good. Fortunately. Yeah, still, uh, uh, it's, it, there was a period there, uh, maybe a month ago, where I couldn't check social media without somebody I know, you know testing positive. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I, it, it, it almost feels like, uh, uh, you know, you're in a zombie film. And it's like, okay, oh God, it just bit Matt, Matt Rosenberg. Crap, am I next? I don't know. Is it eventually going to be just my wife and I, you know, huddled down in our, in our apartment? Are we going to, you know, detonate the stairs so that no one can get up to us? And you know, <laughs> Just in that apartment with, with guns and, and alcohol and whatever food rations you can muster, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. We, got, we, we have two cats. Can, I can put uh, saddlebags on them and send them out for food and tie a rope and we'll be fine. <laughs> there, you, there you go. So yeah, uh, uh, COVID living in, living in the world um, so far so good. Mm-hmm. Um, we we you know we do go out uh, you know, locally, and and I've been making many a trip uh, from San Francisco to Sacramento for the past couple uh, months. Mm. Uh, I had a, a family emergency that we're still dealing with, mm. uh, and again, thus far, that's you know that's taken the train back and forth once a week and. You know, going to doctor's offices and, and, and various places, masked up and everything in, in places where, well, let's face it, a lot of people don't really seem to care. Sure, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in the peak, didn't mm-hmm. really care about wearing masks. And so it's, every, it's, it's rolling the dice every time, right? Um, 
and and again thus far okay and I, honestly i want to sit down with with my wife and and have a have a discussion have a frank discussion of like okay maybe do we need to have a plan in place you know for when one or the other of us uh you know you know roll a roll a natural one uh, <laughs> and and you know what's that kind of like? I, I i think it's, it's basically going to come down to you know, as soon as one of us gets it, we're just going to presume the other one has. Because again, we're living in a tiny ass apartment. Yeah. Uh, so quarantining either one of us is just not an option. Um, and you know, fortunately, uh, you know, I'm strictly freelance these days, and she's going to be, you know, she continues to be freelance and you know work from home on our day gig. So there's no there's no mm -hmm. risk of, of any of that. Uh, but I'll just share your stuff. You love a guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Although I, I, I do, you could, you could do the I love Lucy thing and just like tape a line down the apartment <laughs> and call that a form of quarantine. Sure. Or, or, uh, um, oh, uh, it happened one night. The ancient, er, ancient, the old Clark Gable movie, and we just, you know, string a line across the apartment and, and drape a, a, a blanket over it, call it a wall. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> What's the first RPG character you remember playing? Oh Lord. Uh, the funny thing is I can I can't remember the character, but I absolutely remember where I was, who I was with. Uh, it was D and D. I could literally direct you to I could go on Google Maps right now and I could identify the house. I mean that's how well I remember <laughs> where it was. I do not remember my character or my class or anything oddly enough the first uh that i do recall was a was the first campaign i ever did for anything was for a long defunct superhero rpg called oh geez super it was superhero 20 like 2049 or something like that it was a hmm. it was this ancient long out of print the rules were uh uh, uh photocopies of type written uh, of rules so there were typos there were you know misstrikes and it, it, it just totally looked like something that somebody ran off in their in their garage which for all i know is what they did uh and it was cool i mean it was a it was it was not a dense rule book it was maybe 40 pages um and you had different you know your different classes uh basically corresponded with whether or not you were somebody like batman or iron man who was really smart and made all their shit or if you were uh, an alien or a mutant, so you could be, uh, uh, you know, anything from Superman to to Cyclops. Um, and there was one other. I think there was one other that was a class that was basically like a martial artist, so you could be, you know, martial artist with limited powers, so you could be Daredevil or, or some such. Mm. Um, and I was a. Not even sure which category I fell into, but my character was ba basically modeled after going way back here, uh, the character Box from Alpha Flight, hmm. uh, and okay. it was basically it was a a, a robot uh, with, but had that still, uh, or it's probably more accurate to be, uh, um, oh, what the hell, uh, Doom Patrol, uh, uh, Robot Man, Robot Man, yeah. So there was there were parts of what had once been a a person left in there. Um, and uh, uh, but it was you know ninety percent me mechanized and you know had all these weapons and such, and, um, and it was cool. And my friends and I played that campaign for I don't know probably a summer. And my my primary memory, my favorite memory of it is that uh, 
one, I think the finale uh, we did on a weekend and his, uh, uh, when my friend's parents were out of town and we took over their living room and built a cardboard downtown and, you know, had, you know, the, the requisite, you know, figure, you know, one inch tall, you know, pewter figurines that we were using at the time. Uh, and it was huge. I mean, it was probably, you know, 15 by 20 feet of just this downtown with, with cardboard stuff and just blowing the shit out of things. And it was, it was a blast. <laughs> That's awesome. Sounds fun as hell. <laughs> 20, I, God, I really want to look it up now. Super, superhero 20 something. I can't. It's it's almost it's almost certainly been out of print for at least thirty years. Right, back back when twenty something was considered the, mm-hmm. the distant future. Exactly, exactly. I briefly thought was it God? It wasn't twenty twenty, was it? That'd be fucking horrible. No, no. I think it, <laughs> I think it was at least like twenty forty. It wasn't twenty ninety nine. Pardon? Mm-hmm. Twenty forty four. Twenty forty four. Yes, that's, that's awesome. Google foo. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I, I then I had a a substantial lapse in my RPGing. Uh, for uh, ironically, the most of the 21st century, uh, and then it was God, was it a year ago, two years ago? Who knows? COVID time. Um, uh, Danny and I uh, got invited to uh, do a, a brief campaign with uh, Jim Zub uh, for uh, Mutant Chronicles. Is that right? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was wild. I again, I hadn't played in ages. Uh, Jim was Jim was uh, uh, GMing, and, and I was an anthropomorphic rabbit with black and white uh, scales covering my entire body, who hmm. would um, it was basically a pyromancer, but whose powers could easily go out of control and just decimate uh whole areas but i was also a fantastic shot and, and had a couple great great moments during the campaign of you know something that would look right at home at a, a, a any kind of uh mcu blockbuster which was <laughs> um and the result of that i got that that so rekindled it in me um that uh i i then got together with a few other friends uh and danny my wife uh and this is all remote obviously this is started yep. during lockdown and con- continued uh when people still weren't seeing each other that often uh and started playing uh star wars uh, edge of empire and uh i i, I it was homebrew and i gm the whole thing and uh such a blast I, I we did it once a week um and ran it for better part of a year um we've been off for six months at least um uh, even before things went pear-shaped with my family mm. um i was just getting the homebrew is i love homebrew i i despite the fact that it takes probably five to ten times as long to homebrew as it does to sit and read a module i get so bored reading modules i, I it feels like fucking homework uh it, even if it's something that oh this one's great and and you get to meet this person and you get to use these characters and it's like okay i'll, I'll read and I'll, I'll get two or three pages in and it's like i'm not gonna shit i don't want to be sitting there flipping through things and stalling the game and whereas if i do a homebrew i i'm i, I know how to get all of my inform my pertinent information down to maybe four sheets um on my on my ipad and you know and we're off to the races uh and uh, yeah we 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 all fervently talk about uh getting back into that campaign because it's not over and i do want to get to the end of it um but it's it's 
literally finding making making the time sure. um, and so hopefully you know by september we can jump back into it because again thankfully everybody's still on board and very forgiving of the fact that it was just like it was a little too much uh on my plate at the time but uh yeah so uh you are here to talk about quest aside your uh fantasy workplace comic with uh artist elena and i should have asked for the pronunciation ahead of time i'll, I'll jump in uh it, it's it's elena uh, and which I didn't know until uh, the, you know uh, we we zoomed at one time, and uh, and she clarified the last name for me for me and for other people, which was in a fantastic way, which is it's Gogu. It's like Grogu without the R. <laughs> Elena Gogu. Okay, uh, the Mandalorian made that much easier for her. I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure she. Yeah, I, I'm sure she had to endure it for you know a few months of, of friends and other folks calling her Grogu. <laughs> But now she can use it to her advantage, which is great. Uh, yeah, so Elena Gogu, uh, colorist Rebecca Nelty, and uh, and World Design on Lettering, uh, which debuted last month. Uh, I'm going to read the solicit pitch for issue one uh, for the readers, or the listeners, excuse me. Uh, a skeleton, an apprentice, uh, an apprentice mage, and an exiled princess walk into a bar. For another shift at Quest Aside, the local watering hole run by the once legendary, now retired adventurer Barrow. Uh, when the king privately explains that he plans to shut the place down, Barrow must find a way to hold on to his business and the family he's built around it. Uh, and then the tagline hits, uh, it's always sunny in the realms. And at, that was the point at which I was like, okay, you bring this comic directly to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, one, one thing that I've learned uh, from your stuff over the years is that you're great with a log line, you know, between it's always sunny in the realms. And, and uh, you know, I remember the original pitch for Fair Lady, which was just, oh, it's fantasy magnum P.I., you know, it's 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 short, but it's effective. How much brain space do you dedicate to to that one little sort of marketing phrase? Uh, depends. Uh, I get very lucky, um, and I will clarify. I will clarify the the. Oh, I'll clarify the always sunny in the realms first, because credit sure. where credit is due, that was not me. Um, so my original uh, uh, um, tight, you know, three word pitch, two word pitch. Three, two or three word pitch, depending on which, uh, was either it's high fantasy cheers or just fantasy cheers. And that's what I, I, I levied at uh, Vault originally. And it was uh, Adrian uh, Wassel, the editor in chief of Vault, who actually came up with uh, much to his, uh, all to his credit, uh, It's Always Sunny in the Realms, uh, because he knew we were catering more to, let's say, people that might be in their 20s as opposed to people who might be in their 50s. Um, <laughs> although, you know, Movies and television these days, and music for that matter, just you know, time just doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, now that everything is accessible to everyone, and and something a- anything is new to anyone of anyone of any age. That's, that's just I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever. But um, streaming flattens the time stream. Perfect. Basically. Oh, beautiful. Yes, bravo. <laughs> I will steal that at some point. Um, uh, but to your question, I I. Uh, I hate it. I hate having to try to come up with a concise little bit. Um, um, however, I know that when I do get land on one that's tight, that I've got something that it's something good. That it's something that will uh, uh, resonate uh, with uh, one always hopes with an audience, but also with uh, you know publisher and being able to go with go to them and say it's this. Brah! Uh, as opposed to, well, it's kind of like this, and these guys go here and do, you know, mm-hmm. 
and frequently those you know things like uh, uh, high fantasy cheers or with, with fair lady it was uh, um, oh god a gender swapped oh a gender swapped magna pi in a post lord of the rings world or something like that mm -hmm. um, both of those just came to me like that uh, and and so the amount of brain power or space I needed to use was negligible at best. Whereas there have been other things where it's like, I will sweat over it for weeks. Uh, and uh, almost almost invariably, those are the things that don't wind up landing somewhere. Uh, but once in a while, they do. Uh, today, as we're recording, was uh, FOC uh, for issue number three. So we're, yes. we're, pretty, we're pretty deep in. Uh, no turning back now. Uh, how do you feel like uh, reception and everything else uh, has been going with the series so far? uh it's 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 been really good uh in a, in a variety of ways and nothing that we ever really could have predicted uh issue one uh sold out by the day of its release and we got nice. a second printing which I, I need to get a copy of because uh it looks fantastic uh uh tim daniel who is the oh i don't know his actual title he's v we'll call him vp of design and get it absolutely wrong uh <laughs> at fault uh uh designed a a second printing cover for issue one that makes it look like a D&D module. And that was just brilliant. Uh, he had to do something on the fly. So it sold, it sold out, uh, issue one sold out the day it was released. And by that Monday, so what five days later, uh, was not only FOC, final order cutoff for issue two, but mm -hmm. also for the second printing. And we needed to come up with a cover. And he did that overnight not even overnight it was it was crazy how fast the turnaround was and and uh they shared it on the the slack channel that we have and look mm -hmm. at and everybody's like no notes perfect print go <laughs> <laughs> uh so that was that was fantastic uh and it's uh the book's finding its audience which is always thrilling um uh had somebody post literally two maybe three days ago uh, about how they want to use this uh, in their in their D and D campaign, they want to basically build out a quest aside and have these characters there. And, nice. Uh, I absolutely encouraged encouraged them and said, if you do, <laughs> please share with the class. I wanna I wanna know how it goes. I wanna you know if if they've got I don't know if they they're working with miniatures or if they're all you know if everything is on you know, roll twenty or or anything like that. But I, I would love to see and hear how that all plays out. Um. Uh, uh, and, you know, had a signing for the first issue, uh, you know, what, uh, whenever that was, who knows, six weeks ago, uh, <laughs> at Cape and Cowell in uh, Oakland, California. Uh, and we were all still very practical about masking up and everything and, mm -hmm. uh, and had a really good turnout. Uh, I was, I was pleased and, and surprised. And there was a, so the first guy in line, uh, and I don't know if he listens to podcasts, but his name is Daryl. And I know his name is Daryl because uh, he has come to my signings before and I had, so I hadn't seen him since the last time I did a signing, which was at a store signing, which was probably two and a half years ago, at least. Mm -hmm. um, and he will come with his individual comics, bagged and boarded. Uh, and he has a, a three by five note card with how to spell his name. And I can okay. tell you from memory, it is D-A-R-R-E-L-L. And if you happen to be listening, Daryl, uh, you're fantastic. Thank you. Because uh, whenever I do a signing, if it's anywhere in the Bay Area, uh, he is there. He is the first one in line. Uh, and he's pro I, I don't want to guess. He's older than me, let's just say. Uh, so this is not some you know 20-something or, or, or uh, uh, somebody who is collecting to flip stuff on eBay. This is a guy who really 
digs comics and appears to dig my work. So bless you, Daryl. <laughs> Shout out to Daryl. <laughs> so uh, what, what was the origin of this, uh, this particular project? Uh, so uh, it's so many uh, uh, of the stories pertaining to this book, uh, if not to my quote unquote career as it is, seem to, to tie into Emerald City Comic Con. And, and that is just an oddity. Uh, I, I, uh, I love Emerald City. Uh, I've done it more times than I can count, but it's not by any means the only show that I or my wife ever do. Uh, but it was back in uh, 2019. Uh, and I was on a fantasy panel because a fair lady was just about to come out mm. and I was on a, I was on a panel with, uh, uh, Kieran Gillen, uh, Madeline Bizzaggio, uh, 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 Daniel Barnes, who wrote, uh, the black mage and mm. one or two other people I can't, that I am embarrassed. I can't recall who else was there. Uh, and we just started talking about it and it was, it was a fantasy tropes panel and, at some point, somebody just popped up the notion of, you know, why isn't there, why isn't someone come up with a, a, a story that is, you know, just set in a pub, you know, in, in a fantasy realm. And then somebody else said, yeah, it could be like, you could have different people coming in now and then and somebody else chimed in. It's like, well, that sounds just kind of like cheers and got a chuckle. And we all just kind of built off uh, each other. And it was fun. It was basically like doing uh, uh, comics creation improv. Uh, <laughs> and then by the time it was done, you know, we all, we all had a good laugh and, and it's, but it just, the, the concept just stuck with me. Um, and, you know, in the, in the in back of my brain, I was occasionally just, you know, throwing different characters in there and saying, well, what if this happened, what if that happened? Um, and I don't know if I really had any intention of, of pitching it or turning it into anything. Um, I don't, I honestly don't think I'd pitched it to anyone prior to talking to Vault. Um, uh, and this will segue to how I wound up with them, which, Oddly enough, as established, relates to another Emerald City Comic Con, uh, <laughs> which was five years ago. I think they, I think Vault, yeah, Vault just had its five year anniversary. So it was, mm -hmm. it was Emerald City 2017. So two years prior to that, uh, I was tabling uh, with a friend of mine, a uh, fellow writer named uh, Jason McNamara. And we were on the, the end of the aisle and I'm making my hands visible for the people that came can't see anything um radio woo um uh we were on the on the end of the aisle and then directly behind us uh were these three guys and you know, at one point we're up stretching our legs and turn around and just see who the hell they are and it's these two brothers and this other guy and they're they're they've just started their their own publishing company and so we all you know chit-chatted and and it was uh it was uh, Adrian Wassell, who is the editor-in-chief, his brother mm -hmm. Damien, who is the publisher, and the aforementioned Mr. Tim Daniel, who got in at the ground floor. Um, and we all, you know, we chit-chatted, we traded cards and, you know, pleasantries and everything. And they said, hey, if you want to pitch anything, anytime, have at it. Uh, and I did not, you know, I did not go running at that. Um, but we, you know, we kept seeing each other at subsequent shows over the years. Um, over a couple of years, I guess. And uh, it was eh, two and a half years later when we finally just started talking seriously about what do we want to do? Uh, and I pitched them uh, a 12-issue series that would have been a different sort of fantasy, more, more fantasy sci-fi, almost almost something like 
don't know, Mobius or Elric or you know, Mobius meets Elric. How about that? Um, <laughs> And uh, uh, it, that actually had some roots in Zardoz as well. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about that in case I can ever get that off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we threw notes back and forth. And ultimately, you know, enough time passed in the, in the, in the pseudo development that, uh, you know, Adrian said, well, we've got a few things that are kind of scratching this itch. But, uh, you know, what, I've, what I don't have is, is everybody's sending me, everybody's looking at Vault primarily as a as a sci-fi as they, they see they read genre publisher exclusively and everybody thinks sci-fi so he's getting nothing but spacefaring this and that mm-hmm. um and said so, you know i'm not getting i'm not getting any fantasy and it's like well i've got this I've got this one idea let me let me type it up and send it to you and see what you think and uh, i did and and he, he really liked it uh and uh, the notion of you know having a uh an ongoing series that was set in a tavern and basically it's it's episodic, so in, in so far as each issue has different uh, quote unquote guest stars, you know, different uh, uh, patrons that, that will come by, either people going on an adventure or coming back from one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always get that little bit of variety. And, uh, you know, we, we knocked notes back and forth for probably the better part of a year, honestly, um, both, in, both because he was busy, I was busy, and, you know, we wanted to make sure we got it right. Uh, and then it was probably uh, January, February of 2021, uh, where he said, okay, this is, let's lock this in. This is good. Let's start looking for an artist. And I'm realizing now I'm kind of segue. I'm probably tromping on one of your future questions, but if that's You're cool, killing it. Keep, You're killing right, it. Right, right into it. Yeah. Right into the next one. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we started looking at artists. Uh, he sent me a list of maybe half a dozen people uh, I probably, I sent him a list of at least as many. And, you know, while we both liked what was on each, each other's lists and you know, some pros and cons of some people, and some availability issues of others, um, it, it, nothing was really resonating with us both. And, uh, I was probably getting, I, I was all certainly getting a little frustrated because it had been going on for so long. It's like, damn it, let's just find an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, April, 2021 rolls around. And uh, Twitter decides to have one of its semi-annual portfolio days. And I figure, you know what? Fuck it. It's, it's here. Let's have a look. You know, it's, it's crapshoot. It's absolutely hit or miss. There's, you know, sometimes there's some fantastic people. I, I, there's always some fantastic people. But there's always, you know, plenty of people. It's like, yeah, you got to go back in the oven for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, no knocks to those people. I mean, you got to start somewhere. But you know, there are certain things we were looking for. And uh, I think I've found two or three... Uh, artists, uh, I did. It was three. I found three artists on there that I that I liked, and sent them to Adrian, uh, uh, ranked and with the rationale for why. And my number one choice was Elena. Uh, her portfolio, which for those of you who don't know, on Portfolio Day on Twitter, uh, artists are encouraged to basically show four four pieces of work because that's the maximum number of images you can have mm-hmm. on a Twitter post, uh, and a link if you're savvy enough. Uh, and just even her four samples were, were great. Uh, you know, she had a, a diversity of, of body types. She had done fantasy. You could tell she could do action really well. You could tell she could do expressions really well. And these were all things that, that uh, Adrian and I had talked about that we wanted for the book. Uh, so I, I sent, again, I sent the three names to him. Uh, he, he agreed with me. He said they were all, they were all really good, really qualified. And uh, so he 
took point and reached out and we were very fortunate that uh, Elena had just finished a project she was working on. Uh, really liked the pitch. Uh, I think at this point, I didn't have a script yet. I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna start writing until we actually had an artist on board, um, but we had a, a fairly concrete outline for the first arc and center that and, and she, she dug it and she immediately did some character designs and sent them off. Uh, to us and I was like yes this is it's a no-brainer this is this is the gal um and then you know we were greenlit we were kind con- we had contracts and uh we were uh I was I was off to scripting which was great uh and then Rebecca Nolte uh came on uh in a s- similar process um we all three of us uh Adrian Elena and I put together little lists of, of potential colorists and I don't remember, can't remember if I stumbled on Rebecca or if she was someone that Adrian had presented. Um, but the thing that sold me on her was she had done some coloring and I don't remember which series, but some, she had done some Star Wars comics. Mm, okay. Uh, and I can't remember if this was Marvel or IDW, uh, honestly. Um, but I, I, I love what she was doing because she, it, it, you know, Star Wars is fantasy in space. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's you know your swords are lightsabers and you know your your crossbows are blasters. Uh, so I could see what she could do with again variety of body types, a variety of creature types, uh, environments, and it's like oh yeah, this is I really want to see this. It'd be great. Uh, and she was also gung ho, and 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 then we got the team. Uh, and then the last piece of the puzzle was uh, from And World Designs. Uh, I don't butcher his name. Uh, Tom Napolo- Napolitano uh, is oh, our okay. uh, is our letterer proper name, uh, but working under the uh, uh, Darren Bennett's uh, uh, End World Design. Uh, the big challenge that uh, Tom had was uh, so we Adrian and I came up with. I asked the question of Adrian early on. It's like okay, we want to. We're not looking to make something that's you know YA or middle grade, but we want to have something that is accessible to all ages so we don't really want you know barrow to be you know stumbling out of his back the back of the bar coming out and fuck cunt bitch brat bitch it's like no we just lost uh we lost sales we lost readers uh uh what are we you know and that's not the character he is anyway but what, we got we got to figure a way to do this and so i thought well the the the, the usual way is you know people put in the the, the what the, the the at sign, the pound sign, ampersand, you know, to, to kind of cover up the, the, the nasty words. And I did that, I think, of the original script uh, for issue one, and just thought, no, we, we can do something. We can do something clever here. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, so I went and I, I looked at a few uh, wingding fonts and what's whatnot out there, and I sent uh, you know, links to a couple of those to Adrian and said, "What do you think of doing something like this?" And he came back with the idea well well, well let's 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 talk to tom uh although we didn't know it was tom at the time let's talk to and world uh about you know doing something custom doing uh you know maybe it's like a shield and a sword and a little dragon and some blowing fire and like that'd be awesome uh okay uh and so they you know, tom took that and ran with it and did i we did not see it until uh the first lettering pass so we get the pages in and i i think it's can't even remember which page. You, you, you know, you're you're two or three pages into the first issue when that, that pops up for the first time. And mm-hmm. the first time I said, and not only did he have, you know, the the, the dragon and swords and whatnot, but it was in red. 
So it really st- uh, you know, sticks out. Uh, and I thought, okay, that's cool. I haven't, I haven't seen that before and everyone will know what it means and it'll get a chuckle and that's what we were after. Uh, and then, yes, we were uh, ready to print. The fellowship has met. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we, we, we were also, we were on our march to, to, to Mordor or, or, you know, FOC as the case may be. <laughs> since we're sort of on the topic anyway the there's a lot of sound effects uh one that i particularly jumped out at me was hodor uh, which was is that in yeah. the script or is that, that is that is in the script uh i i will share credit with with tom for those um i i i don't really Really know where it, it came from uh outside of you know when i was scripting even the first issue and there were going to be, I, I, you know, I had to make the decision: are there going to be sound effects, or are there not going to be sound effects? It's like, eh, we're going for a funny book. Let's have, let's have some sound effects. And uh, I don't struggle too much with uh, onomatopoeia, uh, or you know, coming up with things like, Kr-. like, how do you spell? Well, I could figure that out. Um, uh, but it's, uh, and I don't remember which time it was, but the whatever the first sound effect was, I figured, you know what, fuck it, it's just someone's, you know punching a wall the sound effects going to be wall uh and uh, and yeah and there was this, there's a scene and i think it is in the first first issue uh where uh someone goes out a door and slams it and i'm like i could make it say door it's like oh hodor you know that'll just be it, it has not only is it funny because hodor um but it, it, it if you if you read it as a sound that is a sound hodor Instead of a door just going slam or poop poop or you know hodor is a sound. Um, uh, there is a bit in uh, issue, I think it's issue three, um, where there's a bar brawl going on and uh, a couple of the characters are blithely walking through it because they deal with this every day. So it's chaos all around them, but they're just, you know, they're going through and, and, and cleaning stuff up and trying to break it up. Uh, and there's, you know, a, a chair gets thrown and it's a chair uh and she holds up her shield and the chair breaks on it's a shield uh and this this easily could have come out just crap uh which is why i say i absolutely share the credit with uh with tom at ant world because it, it it just looks it looks great and it gets a laugh every time my my personal favorite of the uh sort of literal sound effects was uh at some point uh uh joe uh joden is performing a trick and it just the sound effects over over top of him is magic gone wrong (laughs) (laughs) and there's an exclamation point after magic and another after gone wrong (laughs) that might be i think that the two the two exclamation points i think might be might be top uh which is great uh i i i I have yet i think to have any notes for for him in any of the you know short of just you know accidental things like oh you forgot to put the period at the end sentence um um, but yeah, never anything uh, out of the ordinary. Oh, and uh, uh, um, yeah, it's a beautiful one. I can't remember the name of my own damn characters. Uh, Zuzana, Zoo, the, uh, <laughs> the the healer. Whenever she does her heal, you get this little heal. 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 Um, uh, and that's, yeah, that's a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, in, in promoting the book, like we talked about, you know, there's sort of the, the comparisons to, to Cheers and to Always Sunny. And, and obviously, you know, it's not a direct rip on either. It's more about the the centrality of the tavern and D and D campaigns and and the characters who cool their heels there between and amid missions. 
uh, you know, and then the TV comparisons are sort of to pull, uh, you know, other people in off the street. But I was curious if you had any particular favorite episodes of either of those two shows. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't say that I do. Um, I am of an age, <clears throat> shall we say, that I remember watching Cheers regularly as it actually aired back when there were only three networks. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't. Uh, the, the thing that really st stuck with me and still sticks with me with regard to Cheers is just the, the, the wordplay and the repartee. Uh, my God, the, the, the stuff with Norm uh, every time, uh, just the, the gags of, of him coming in and you know, uh, uh, oh, it's, it's, you know, somebody comes in and the you know coach will say, "Hey, how's it going, Norm?" It's like, well, pour me one beer, and then after that, uh, we'll 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 reconvene with a with a second beer or something, you know, something like that. I, a horrible, yeah. horrible example, but that, that's <laughs> that stuff is what really resonated with me. Uh, and always sunny for me. It's not really like it is episodic, but it just feels like such this. It's an ocean of, of these characters and just the, the non-stop just shit that they get themselves into uh, that uh, I, I can't. The thing, the, the, <laughs> the only problem that I have with the It's Always Sunny comparison is it pretty much begins and ends with the notion of, of family slash found family that own a bar. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we definitely. It, it, we're definitely not going to the anywhere near the extremes uh, uh, that Always Sunny goes to. Uh, we could have. I mean, it was a choice. Uh, but again, I think if we did lean that hard into some of the more unsavory aspects, uh, we would have absolutely lost our notion of well, we're going to go for the broadest audience possible, uh, mm. uh, and we don't want parents going. Well, you can't read this because you know they're dealing with i i don't want to speculate what, what we could be doing always sunny wise in a fantasy setting um yeah uh answer the question or not there <laughs> absolutely uh so this 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 is a question that i'm basing off of a ridiculous day of twitter discourse that i stumbled upon once uh have you ever written in a bar uh, yes. Yes. Uh, you want me to elaborate? We can move on. <laughs> Next question, please. Um, I have not that often. Um, I was never, uh, I never fell into the, the trope of the writer who either needs alcohol drink or gets better uh, drinking, uh, uh, or, you know, gets inspiration or gets the, the pistons firing when, when in, uh, when in a, a pub or a bar. Um, and I haven't even, I think, attempted to do so in many years. Uh, but I became, um, I'd say around, around the start of, of when I was doing any kind of comics work, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, coffee shops became my, my thing. Mm -hmm. um, which again, hey, I'm trading one cliche for another. Um, but we had this amazing, I mean, nostalgic, an amazing uh, coffee shop that was also a bar. It was coffee shop by day, uh, 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 almost 
Miami Vice style bar by night uh, that mm. was uh, two blocks from from where I'm sitting right now. And so it was great. I could just load up my bag, go down there. Uh, and again, 99% of the time I did any writing there it was when it was in the coffee shop setting. Um, and it was called Sugar. And it was it was it was fantastic. And the vibe was great. and The music was great. And they had these, um, you know, you could sit at the table by the window or I could sit all the way in the back. Uh, and they had these, these you know, big ass armchairs, uh, you know, with, with with wooden armrest cushions made for made for mammals much larger than myself. And so there was plenty of room to, you know, just get comfortable and whatever and uh, bust out the notebook and, and brainstorm or script. I, I, the first uh, series that I did uh, way back in the day was something called Ultra Sylvania. And it was a it was a basically it was a web comic. Uh, that we wound up putting out uh, three Kickstarter trades for back in the day, um, and I wrote you know all three volumes in that in that coffee shop slash bar uh, over the course of year and a half, um, and I think I was still working there when I did Blackjack Ketchum at Image, uh, and then sadly the place closed for renovations maybe five six years ago, uh, and then six months go by eight months go by it's like i don't think it's coming back and then yeah about a year after they had they had said they were doing renovations it reopened as a as a mezcal uh tequila taqueria and while i love my i i I do have my my favorite mexican foods and i'm i'm a fan of tequila and mezcal i have not to this day been able to set foot in there because i'm just (laughs) still in mourning for my beloved sugar and so, so, so much uh, work and ideas came out of being there that uh, I, I, did, I feel like they're betraying those memories. <laughs> so, so now we enter the section of questions that I like to call Matt the RPG nerd comes out. Um, <laughs> no, 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 nothing that technical expressly, but general RPG fantasy stuff. Um, so do you have any particular memories of playing where there was the the tavern because everyone you know winds up in a tavern at some point or another uh i mean right now the current campaign we just wrapped one of the party owned a uh, a, a tavern with a plot convenient magical latrine he, he is a character he is a player has many kids while the rest of us don't so he would sometimes have to disappear so what would happen is his character would walk into the latrine and would just disappear for a little while <laughs> <laughs> or if he came back while we were away, he would walk into the latrine and suddenly appear next to us. It was a magical latrine, very convenient for plot. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Uh, I, I was initially, when you asked the question, I'm like, God, no, I don't, I don't remember from this. And I realized, wait, no. So going back to uh, when we started, when we first started playing uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire. Uh, and I wanted to, before doing any homebrew or, or just even seeing if the if the player if the players wanted to play this game because none of us had, had played it before, um, and we, but we'd all we'd all RPG'd at one time or another, but we'd never uh, done Star Wars, and, and most of us had been out of the habit for a long time. Uh, so we played uh, the the sample uh, uh, that was in the the rules, um, and I had actually watched. Uh, to, to, to prep myself, I'd gone onto YouTube and found these these other guys who had played it through, 
So I had a sense of, so I had a better sense of, of what was coming and I, I did read the module. I made my way through it, it was fine. Um, but there is uh, time spent at a cantina. It is not the same cantina as, uh, as the original Star Wars or anything like that, but clearly modeled after it. And uh, at one point, our heroes are basically run into uh, said cantina to hide out because they are being pursued by uh, two or three uh, Gamorrean guards, you know, the big green pink guys with the pink, big green pig guys, thank you, uh, with gigantic battle axes come in looking for our party. Um, and, you know, our, our, our players make short shrift of them pretty quick, uh, of, the, of two of the three get, get taken out pretty quick. And then there's a third one, and uh, we're kind of out of options for, for reasons that I can't quite recall. Um, however, one of the players is a droid, a medic, I want to say. He kind of got the, he kind of drew the short straw and like, which fun character? You're going to be a droid medic <laughs> for, for this very brief uh, session, but we'll get you a real character after that. Well, He's like, okay, well, I'm going to go over and I'm going to hide in this booth. And it's like, I have to, okay, uh, there's nothing telling me who or what is in this booth. So I just, on the cuff, it's like, okay, there are, <laughs> you, you, you slide into a booth with four Ewoks on the equivalent of Room Springer. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is basically uh, the Ewok. Oh, God, is it? Uh, I'm, uh, um, who, who does Rum Spring? Damn it. Amish. Yeah, the Amish. Amish, yes. Yeah, so basically we have Amish Ewoks who are there. Uh, and what Rum Spring is, is this is when uh, the Amish send their, their young people who are about to become adults out into the real world to experience, real world, to the, to the wider world to experience what it's like before coming back into the fold. So imagine, you know, four uh, Ewoks who are on Tatooine in some grungy cantina uh, uh, you know, experiencing life before going back to the moon of Endor to live out their days. Um, and, and, and this droid comes and sits down and, uh, and they're, you know, they're a little taken aback. It wasn't immediately like, you know, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi where it's like, oh, it's a, it's a golden god. We have to worship him. Um, but the guy playing the droid knew that this was, that was established. And so, and so it's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into it. And he rolls and he, I think he rolled a natural Twenty or, or the equivalent of it. I, oh no, because it's. I don't want to get into the details, but the, the Star Wars RPGs use their own kind of dice. Blah blah blah. But he rolled the equivalent of a natural twenty, and so uh, in the course of his his discourse with these Ewoks, uh, he basically invites. He tells them that yeah, this guy over there, the the Gamorrean over there, is is here to hurt me, um, and I we need your help. The Ewoks slide out of the uh, slide out of the booth haul ass across the bar and just start stabbing the, the Gamorrean, dancing around him, stabbing him repeatedly. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. He's just getting, you know, you know, stab, stab, stab in the gut. He winds up down on his knees. They decapitate him and then interlink their spears and put the head on top of it and start parading the severed head of this Gamorrean around the bar uh, in in to further to, to appease their god, this medical droid that that had sent them to do this thing, uh, and that was just amazing. Uh, and again, not scripted at all. That was that was a mixture of, you know, uh, my buddy uh, uh, playing his character to the hilt, and and thank God my improv skills were were still 
reasonable that I was able to come up with some of that and, and just riffed up each other. It was a blast. Much, much better than the the incident when I ran a Star Wars game and there was a thing in a bar. It 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 didn't end well for the NPC there. <laughs> he was a he was a bad bad guy, and they they left him for the flesh eating monsters when they found out how bad a guy he was. <laughs> he he would basically he claimed he was a tour guide on Narshada, the, the smuggler's yeah. moon. And he, you know, would lead people down deeper into the bowels of the planet where there were the you know flesh eating quarter ghouls, you know, sentients that had been down there so long that they weren't, you know, really sentient anymore. Chuds. And <laughs> they would, you know, he would basically wait while they killed the tourists then he would pick the bodies clean only he brought down a party of adventurers you know a jedi and so they they took out this group of quarter ghouls this guy you know came out they found out that oh that poor couple upstairs that were looking for their daughter and her husband who were on their honeymoon oh yeah he did this to them the, the jedi just kind of was told to just walk away and the smuggler shot the guy in the knee let him fall, fired off a couple more rounds, and they all just walked away. And I was like, well, I could just, you know, leave it at that. Or I could be, as you walk away, you hear the skittering sounds, and you hear him scream. <laughs> End scene. Star Wars chuds, yes. Yes. That's oh, awesome. Yeah, they, were a, they were a thing. They were a thing in uh, some of the old EU stuff. Sure. On Narshada and on Coruscant, those the planets, the the city planets, because you'd go down deep enough, and there were things there that I'd never seen the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. So, uh, back to quest aside, um, you you feel like the the cast, the core cast of Quest Aside, are a balanced party. You had a fighter, a bard, a mage, a rogue, a healer, and a skeleton man. Uh, were you playing on specific tropes, or just trying to get in? as many characters as you sort of could of different varieties in there um a little more the latter uh it it you know i, I kind of knew that we would wind up with five characters because that's a that's a good number to, to generally play with um and I, that leaves a lot of good combinations of, of character interplay um i knew that Barrow, our the tavern owner and the protagonist, was going to be, you know, basically the equivalent of I described him, you know, as as uh, uh, Aragorn without Aragorn without the crown, or or Ned Stark with his head, um, you know. So he's some guy that of renown that did a bunch of stuff and and was just a straight up, you know, fighter, skilled, very skilled fighter. Um, I knew that uh, there needed to be, you know, there needed to be somebody with magic. Uh, because again, we're you know fantasy setting, and uh, um, I don't think I knew right away that it was going to be a kid uh, or a teenager. I guess is, you know, Joden probably is. Um, I didn't realize that Joden was going to wind up being a, a, an apprentice whose whose master had you know basically vanished um, until I came up with the notion of I wanted to have a skeleton cook. Which I just thought was funny, you know, just in and of itself, a, a skeleton cook was funny. Um, and then when I started to give Ray the skeleton a little more character, that, that you know, that he was going to be, you know, kind of constantly in a shitty mood and um, uh, 
trying to figure out, you know, that he was, you know, rarely an issue would go by where he doesn't threaten to quit. Um, uh, that I think I, I, I figured out that, oh, wait, he, you know, Joden made Ray, and this was Joden's first attempt at reanimation, and it came out wrong. And, but by coming out wrong, it didn't come out like, oh, he was half, he was a quarter dead instead of, you know, uh, anything. But no, it's just that yeah, he's 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 a little special in various ways, and not the, the in some ways are not very pleasant, uh, insofar as as he he doesn't really play well with with most others, um, and then it uh, it also it seemed logical to me to have uh, a healer, uh, or you know, a quote unquote cleric, um, because you're in a bar and you know there's going to be it's there's, there's the the action uh, in Quest Society is kind of parsed out and some issues have more than others, but it makes sense that you're going to have, or going to, it's a tavern in a fantasy story. There are going to be fights. Uh, and it just made sense to me. It's like, oh, you have a healer on staff and uh, to, to, to ease that a bit. Uh, and I'm, I'm honestly not sure when I came up with the notion that uh, Zuzana, who is our healer, would be uh, dating Ray, the skeleton, or or even figuring out how that works. It's like I don't get that's that's not what the story's about. I don't care. They're in love, uh, or are they? Um, and the, the, it, it it they figure it out between the pages. Let's just say. Um, and then there's Vale, and I think she was the last piece of the puzzle uh, in that she wasn't going to be. You know, she wasn't going to be romantically involved with, with anyone. Um, but I like, I, at some point I came upon the notion that, you know, that she was going to, everybody's, every character has their secrets, but that she was going to have, she was going to have a big one that, that only Barrow knows about. Uh, um, and at this point, I mean, there's two issues out in the wild uh, and the third one just, you know, got to FOC. I, we don't really reveal what's going on with her until issue five. Um, and I will, I will tell you straight up that, uh, well, okay. So every issue I think has a, a page or two or three of flashback about kind of like how each character came to, uh, came to be a quest aside. Uh, and hers is, I want to say it's, it's four pages in issue five and it is going to be fantastic. It is, it is completely unlike anything, uh, that's come before in the, in the series, um, it's I, I can't say it's unique because it's comics and everything's been done before at some point. But uh, I don't want to say too much. But it's it's going to be the way it will be presented will be kind of be the exact opposite or, or unlike anything anyone would expect for this character. Uh, but still very much play within uh, the genre that as we've established it, and, and uh, it'll be a good time. Uh, but I just she oddly enough again Vale was the final character to, to kind of get fleshed out um, and early on realized that she would she would be she basically be somebody who's who's just doesn't want to put up with any of the shit um, you know she's not where Ray is just constantly pissed off and he is the guy that you say you know, hey Ray and he goes why <laughs> uh, Vale is the one who's just you know she doesn't say anything unless she has to, and typically when she has to, it's it's you. You can hear her eyes rolling in her head, um, and it wasn't really until I think I 
already written maybe the first four scripts um, before my wife and I started watching um, Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine last late, late last summer, and we mm-hmm. we'd never seen it and just burned our way through it, uh, and realized that Vale is uh, uh, um, Rosa Rosa yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And it's like, oh, my God, I was inadvertently writing for <laughs> writing for this character. Um, and, uh, you know, and of course, now uh, uh, it's all I can it's all I can picture. And if we were ever, ever, ever to get lucky enough for this to, to become something, you know, transmedia, either you know, a movie or a TV show or animated, uh, I would love uh, to, to have uh, drawn a blank. Stephanie Beatrice. Stephanie Beatrice. Stephanie Beatrice. Yes, uh, <laughs> to, to do it. Uh, although I'd be shocked if she would, because again, why would she want to play the same character again, although in a fantasy setting, but who knows? Um, um, yeah, I don't even remember the question. Again, you, you, you invited me to go on rants, sir, and I went on, uh, I went on a we tour. We basically told you to talk about the party, and you talked about the party. Okay, I talked about yeah. the party, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, yes, so you've got uh, a healer, with uh, Zuzana, you've got a, a, a half-ass mage with Joden. You got a fighter <laughs> with Barrow. You got an undead cook, sure. Uh, and uh, uh, Vale is kind of a well. She's not. Maybe she's a rogue. She she she. Let's just say she displays different talents uh, throughout the, the the first arc, and uh, we'll get a little more context when we get to her origin story. And my final technical nerd question, Mm -hmm. uh, have you sat back and thought, okay, this is how magic works in this setting? Or since it's not exactly a crunchy thing, you're just like, there's magic. There you go. Uh, A little more the latter. Um, I am typically someone who in, you know, stories that I read, stories that I watch that are fantasy, I, I want rules and i want you know there to be order um but oddly enough with this story i, I it felt like it was gonna it's, it's not what the story's about um again then if if so if this was about them being a questing party and going out and 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 handling shit on a on a issue by issue basis then absolutely i would have i would have made it rock solid um but because the the magic that tends to happen in the series uh, is there for it, it livens things up more than anything. It's 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 there for fun. It's it's the you know it's it's Zuzana healing someone and you get the you get the heal heal heal. Uh, it's Joden preparing to do magic and you get a you get a, a zoom in of his of the butterflies in his stomach and one of them is actually armed uh you know and, and it's i think the best way to say it is that it, are there rules within the world yes does it matter at this point in the storytelling what they are not um, uh, I, I think, and I think the clearest way to establish that that there clearly are rules is the fact that Joden uh, is a he's not a fuck up, but he's 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 a he's a kid whose teacher bailed on him, you know, halfway through high school, so he doesn't you know know how you know 
the revolution in France ended. Or in, you know, <laughs> his education, his education is incomplete, and whether or not he winds up with you know his version of Yoda again or not remains to be seen. But in that, in the meantime, it's it is a voyage of discovery for him as well. Um, yeah, which then made me, you know, which throwing in Yoda makes me think about Star Wars again, where you know they there are rules with the Force, but as we have seen through, let's just say, through the canonical stuff of the past a decade, um, uh, they push the boundaries. You know, there, there are rules, but there are still things where I just go, how the hell is it? Why didn't anyone do that before? Um, and when so, you try to explain it, you uh, get midichlorians. Oh, <laughs> there are, I, will go on the, I will go on the record, there are no midichlorians in the Quest Society universe. Uh, <laughs> uh, there may be chuds, but there are no midichlorians. Everything's better with chuds. Nothing is better with midichlorians. <laughs> that, should, that should be the title of your autobiography when the time comes, sir. T- episode title. Episode, episode title. title. <laughs> Sold. Perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Now, have you gone and made uh, uh, character sheets for uh, these characters? Uh, you mean for RPG purposes? Sure. Uh, no. Although apparently that one uh, that that one fan is so you know I yeah I really hope so I I really inc- it, you know I've, I've had a couple of people chime in and say you know that that they that they love it because it's so similar to the campaign that they're a part of or that they've been playing D and D for years and this is great and yada yada uh, and I love that I love hearing that um, and I'm just waiting for someone to actually you know post like I said either post. Uh, uh, you know, if they're doing a tabletop and they've got miniatures or or a character sheet or or fan art or what have you, uh, uh, I, I look forward to those days very very much. That would be awesome. Now, uh, in the meantime, uh, I think one of the the very first pages in the first issue of the series, uh, it's it, it's there's there's Easter eggs all over the place. It's when that one questing party comes into the bar and they're looking around and it's like, oh hey, it's 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 this thing. But, uh, you know, right away, there's references to, uh, you know, somebody drops like there's, there's a creature called the Zub. So I'm like, OK, there's Jim Zub. And we've already talked about once in this episode. And then uh, there, were, there was another artifact that had like Cy Spurrier's last name. Yes. Yeah, there's a there's a, I can't remember which things are. But there's a, there's the, the something from the Zub. There's the there's something of the Spurrier. And I want to say one of them is the something Saliba, which is which is a shout out to my buddy Jeremy Saliba, who was my uh, who was uh, editor on he was one of the editors on Fair Lady. Uh, he was he was a cover artist uh, on Fair Lady, at least one issue, mm-hmm. um, and he was actually my uh, right hand back when I was doing uh, uh, Ultra Sylvania about ten years ago, uh, which was uh, actually came from a. Uh, it was an art college class uh, that I, I brought in the concept of, hey, I've got this idea for uh, uh, Frankenstein and Dracula as world leaders in, in 19th century Europe. Uh, went to the went to the head of the department. So what if you know what if we built a class around this? And, uh, and Jeremy was was teaching there at the time, and he was you know going to be the teacher, and he had, uh, he was a, a working uh, concept artist, and said, yeah, you could do that. And then we we came in there with all these brilliant ideas, like ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna do a, a, a you know a graphic novel every semester, and then we're gonna put it online as a web comic, and then we're gonna run a Kickstarter for each one, and 
you know, and the, the students will get course credit and they'll get credited in the books. And, you know, if, if we make any money on it, then maybe they'll get cut of that and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and the department head said, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and do it. And I remember coming out of that meeting and turning Jeremy and said, uh, or, uh, uh, actually, no, he turned to me and said, so how many of those things do you think we'll actually be able to pull off? And I said, yeah, maybe a third. Uh, and we did them all. Um, and I have now completely uh, done a, uh, uh, I, 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 side, I sidestepped the actual topic and, and three more origin story stuff. So there's, there's that. <laughs> Love it. So uh, th th this question is specifically to uh, make the wassels happy. Uh, hmm. Who wins in a fight? Uh, Clive, Ray's kitchen cleaver with a face or the axe with a face from Barbaric? Oh, it's got, it's, it's got to be axe. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Clive. Um, so I, I do got to say Clive was not designed to be derivative of axe in any way. Uh, Clive was was something that we came up with originally, you know, in the, in the original, I think in the original pitch document that I sent Adrian, uh, geez, two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I, I liked the idea that, that Ray's only real friend, or at least in his mind, uh, is this uh, uh, cleaver that is cursed with life but wants to be a fucking battle axe and just, you know, and basically literally wants to be, wants to be out there scalping motherfuckers uh, as he says, at least once at some point. Um, and instead he, you know, he has to, you know, chop up onions and carrots and stuff. And, um, I, I, if, I, if I have any regret uh, for the series, because uh, the, the first, you know, first arc is completely written and, and uh, uh, Ellen is working on issue four right now is I kind of wish I had, more justification to give more lines to, to Clive. Um, <laughs> um, but I do like to think that when he does pop up and has something to say, it's, it's, it's fun and funny. Uh, but yeah, the other, you, know, you put, you put him against ax and Clive will think he's going to tear this guy apart. Clive and Axe will just decimate him. And he'll, you know, he'll wonder, you know, it's like, Oh, I've, Clive will lay there wondering, Oh shit. I've, I would say he'd lay there. I, I've wasted my life. No, he would, Axe would chop Clive into three bits and Clive would basically be, ah, it's a flesh wound. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Love it. Um, you know, the, uh, so the last time we had had you on the show, we, you know, we were talking about all about uh, Fair Lady, which again was the high fantasy gender swap Magnum PI series. One thing I was curious about uh, in in hindsight, uh, I imagine you had plenty of people, you know, reaching out to tell you that they enjoyed the series. Did any of them ever send you Owanu uh, fan art? I want to say yes. I'm not sure. Um, I know I saw some some Jenner fan art. I want to say there there must have been an Owano or two, and I, I feel bad that I can't honestly remember that. Uh, the irony is I can remember receiving fan art for uh, Blackjack Ketchum, which was my first <laughs> image book. Um, um, I, I really I really wanted. You know, fairly to stand the test of time, and I, I really wanted cosplay. I really wanted like some full-on furry to come up in a <laughs> furry of of Owanu, and that I would, I would have, you know, I would have worn out my camera on on just taking photos of and with whoever would would do that. Um, so if there is anybody out there in the furry community, you are still very welcome to uh, to suit up as Owanu. Uh, 
I will be at San Diego Comic-Con and then I will be at Thought Bubble in the UK if anyone in, in, uh, in, in that part of the world is listening. Not to open old wounds, but is there any chance we'll ever see any more Fair Lady? Uh, you know, Claudia and I talk about it. Um, I would still very much like to. I know where the story goes. I know what happens next. Um, uh, she, right now, she, uh, she's got she has her own obligations. You know, she's she just did um, book with uh, David Boer over at, at uh, Dark Horse. I know mm-hmm. she's working on um, some some Buffy stuff over at um, at at Boom Boom. Boom. Um, and I, and I know she's already got her next thing already in the pipeline. So, um, I am thrilled for her, but I would, and, and again, she and I, we have talked about it, but it, every time it comes, I, I touch, I touch base with her again and she's all for it. And it's like, oh yeah, well, as soon as I finish this thing, that's now going to eat up the next six, eight months of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would very much like to, um, if, if it doesn't happen, um, I, I, I am. I'm a fan of ambiguity in storytelling and the fact mm-hmm. that we left uh, our existing arc on a, is she going to die? Is she not going to die? Um, if, if that's how it has to ultimately be left, I'm okay with that because then it's, you know, it's up to the reader and uh, neither answer would be wrong. So uh, besides uh, San Diego and Thought Bubble, which, you know, two of the big ones, obviously, uh, do you have any other, you know conventions or store signings or anything else like that coming up uh we my wife and i are, are hoping to do new york um i can't remember if we have a table yet or not uh it's been a crazy year and figuring all that stuff out sure um it is honestly going to come down to what their covid precautions are um we're, there's a couple shows that are coming up that we always love to do uh, that we're not doing because they are, you know, basically taking no protocols whatsoever. Um, and honestly, whether or not, you know, she or I contract it before the, before those shows is kind of beside the point. I just, you know, we just don't really want to be in a place where, you know, no one's going, no, no one's taking the precautions or going the extra mile. Uh, you know, and, and being a show and being able to say, well, we're just following what the current, you know, guidelines are for this, you know, for our state or this city. And it's like, that's fine. But doesn't really preclude or prevent you from, from making it, you know, more accessible to other people because there are, there are still literally millions of people who can't get a COVID shot, you know, and, and there are plenty of geeks who would love to come to shows, but I understandably are not going to come to ones where they're putting their, their health and potentially their life on the line and that's silly uh that 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 you know that certain conventions don't want to acknowledge that uh on the flip side uh san diego is pledging to be hardcore i mean they're they're basically they're saying they're gonna have mask mandates that you've got to be vaxxed i think you can come in with a with a with a test um but even on their faq uh you know they they address the question of well what if i'm you know what if i'm not vaccinated and i don't want to get a test and their their flat response is that is that well basically maybe you shouldn't come to this year's show and for any convention to say that especially san diego that's huge you know that that's basically them taking a massive stand and i i applaud that 
uh, and I believe thought bubble is is very similar, if not if not identical. Um, uh, and we uh, we know a couple of the people that run the show over there, and be really astonishing if if they were to suddenly turn around and say, nope, don't need a don't need any uh, protections here or anything. Uh, they they seem to be, they are very much a um, uh, a fan based show uh, up in up in uh, Harrogate in uh, in England. Uh, but yes, uh, so we're, we're definitely doing, like I say, San Diego and uh, uh, Thought Bubble. Uh, we will not, we will be tabling at Thought Bubble, which is in November. Uh, we will not be tabling at San Diego, although I guarantee you we'll be signing at, uh, at the vault booth. And I'm sure we'll be on a panel or two uh, in, in uh, conjunction with uh, vault stuff. Um, hope to do other shows. Like I say, hopefully New York. Um, do not as yet have another signing on the books um, in large part because uh, I'm still uh, helping out with ongoing family emergencies. So sure, there's only sure. so much. Um, I, ha- I actually had to skip out on, like I said, we had this signing at Cape and Cowell for issue one uh, back in May. Uh, and then a couple days later, I was going to be signing at Mission Comics in San Francisco for free comic book day, which I was really looking forward to. But then it just be just the notion of putting myself at risk to not only <clears throat> not only out of concern for my own health actually it wasn't even so much for my own health at all as i was being kind of the point of contact primary care for someone sure and obviously couldn't risk transmitting that and further you know didn't even if i wasn't going to go in and, and put them in any kind of risk well, I was going to have to be, you know, quarantined or, or, you know, for five to 10 days, depending on what level of, of security I wanted. And there was no way I could be off, off the map for that long yeah. uh, for the person. So I, I, I mean, it was down to the wire. It was like two days before free comic book day. And I, I had to, I reached out to uh, David. Uh, who, oh God, he just got a new title. Uh, uh, who's the VP of sales marketing i'm sorry david uh at vault i reached out to him and, and told you know and and said look i I, it's, I really can't do this uh and the good news is uh that both david and i uh know uh, leaf who is the owner of, of mission comics and we've known him for years um and he was not only was he totally understanding uh he invited me to come in the day before free comic book day to just sign a bunch of stock and uh he he ordered deep you know he he ordered a a i thought i initially felt really bad it's like ah geez she ordered a, a ton of issues with, with expecting me to be here and you know i talked to and i talked to david and said it's like it's cool man he can send it back we'll give him full credit money back whatever he wants and i told the, i reiterated this to leave and he said no it's like i would rather have copies here uh that you have signed uh and even some that you haven't that and and have the money go to vault then get then get the credit back and then that was just a, a fantastic testament to uh uh leaf's character but also his dedication to comics in general i mean he's <laughs> again mission comics has been there for uh probably at least 10 years now and then you know he's you know through through good good economies and bad and uh and has managed to make it go and for for any comic shop to say you know what no i'm gonna you know i ordered i don't know 
not even exaggerating, something like 300 copies of issue one uh, and being able to say, you know, I'm sure he could comfortably have returned at least half of that and been fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said, no, he wanted to, he wanted the money to go to, to publisher and the creators. And it's like, that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, which is an extremely roundabout way of saying, no, I do not have any other signings lined up at this point. Um, uh, uh, and Leaf uh, had invited me back to, to actually do one for issue two, which came out uh, last week. God, I'm missing some time. Uh, but again, it's just, I'm still doing uh, family stuff. Uh, and so that hasn't come together, but uh, I'm, I may see if he wants to do one for uh, you know, issue five. Uh, because then you know everything uh, the first arc will be out mm -hmm. and um uh, and the trade uh, uh actually doesn't come out until march despite the fact that this, oh, okay. uh, the arc's going to wrap in september um it has to do with lead time and whatnot for book market and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and i don't remember which book publisher vault is using but uh maybe it's it might be simon and schuster i think it is that makes sense yeah um um that that the the lead times that they wanted for that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. so uh if anyone is still listening out there and and is thinking oh i'll wait for the trade it's like you're going to be waiting for that trade so uh, uh yeah. get those singles well, they're still in stores exactly go get the issues make your you know make your stores happy and uh, i was talking to a guy yesterday uh who, whom i had sent a pdf he dug it so much he went out and bought a physical copy and then was asking me it's like oh so was there gonna be any you know back matter in the trade or you can have a hardcover or anything it's like i love a hardcover um but i will definitely lobby for you know some kind of back matter i mean i, I love process stuff in the back of of trades or and ogns and uh and the guy said plan out plain out plain to me is like look you get you get back matter in there i will i will triple dip well, double doubled it because the first one the, the pdf was free but then he went and you know he dropped uh you know single issues and, and he's like yeah you give me some back matter in the trade i will double dip it's like okay i'm going to have that conversation with the vault the vault boys and say hey this i know this is a pool of one we're talking about right now but i'm sure he's not alone so let's uh let's see if we can make that happen you could absolutely um, have some fun with some back matter on that absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, penultimate question. What are you reading right now? Oh, geez. Uh, so I just finished in the cruise realm. Uh, I, I should be able to see it on my shelf, but I'm wearing my reading glasses, so I can't see that far across. Uh, Dave Grohl's uh, biography. Ooh, uh, okay. Which I can't remember. It's got a simple name, and I'm, I'm not even going to throw it out there. Uh, and I uh, actually, I just uh, finished that, and, uh, and it, uh, I read it at a leisurely pace, and uh, sadly, I was in the middle of reading it when uh, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, passed on. Yeah, and boy, did I mean, I mean, obviously that that hit his family and the band and and a whole bunch of people really hard. But it was really uh, just getting slammed to to have that happen while while in the midst of reading this and and mm -hmm. uh, role talking about you know meeting this guy and and them becoming fast friends and 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 then after he passed continuing to read the book and then coming across passages where he's talking about fun times they're having or things they were doing it's like, oh man um on the comics front 
what am I reading? So I've been, so one thing that lockdown did for me, I became a digital reader. Okay. Um, with the, ex, with the exception of uh, most OGNs and trades, I, I mean, I still want you, you can't see it and it will be a little, <laughs> it's, it's kind of ugly right now because we have boxes in it, but the, the wall opposite me mm-hmm. is Ikea cubes, floor to ceiling, wall to wall. Uh, and there are, there are 48 cubes across from me and they wow. are jam-packed with books and the, and the overwhelming majority of those are collected editions and OGNs. Um, however, as I said, during lockdown, had to, had to switch to digital. I mean, there were, mm-hmm. for a long time there, it's like there were no stores to go to to buy uh, issues. Um, and I was never really a fan. It's like, I, I, I'm old school, man. I like to have the physical thing. I like to have it in my hand. I like to be able to do the actual page turn. But you know, necessity, invention, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm still uh, doing that. Uh, I have not read it yet, but one of the things I bought last week uh, was uh, Aquaman Andromeda, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, uh, I've known Ram for I don't know, five years, I'm guessing, uh, and I've known uh, Chris uh, Christian Ward since his very first uh american convention which was heroes con back when he and fraction were doing odyssey oh wow okay uh and uh he is one of those people that um he's one of those rare rare friends that we were friends two minutes after meeting um and i think we, we were uh we were chatting very briefly and and you know he's english and he's very polite and um and uh, we were going to shake hands because we were just talking. Like he was sitting at his table, I was standing there. He got up from behind the table and he had hand sanitizer there. And this is obviously this is pre-COVID hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as big a deal, and it probably didn't cost as much. But we we got this. We both just got these huge globs of hand sanitizer each of our palms, and it. it I'm not going to say it was erotic, but it was. We were both just kind of looking at each other, and in our and doing, and our hands are just kind of like the handshake just turned into a, a mutual massage of each other's palms and we're both looking at each other and kind of going this is weird but strangely right and uh, yeah maybe we should talk a little more and yeah we've been we've been fast friends ever since um so yes uh, i haven't read it yet i do own it um i read it today it's ve- it's quite good I have heard nothing but excellent things my expectations are very high so they better not let me down um <laughs> Uh, God, what uh, I have really enjoyed Rosen, Matt Rosenberg and I think it's Otto Schmidt are doing the DC versus vampires. Because um, I know because Matt's also doing Task Force Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who that's with, but uh, arrows. yes, yes. Uh, and, but it, the, it's a bad the, question. I got that. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the DC. Uh, I really, I loved uh, Matt and Otto's run on, was it so Hawkeye? Hawkeye Freefall? Hawkeye yeah. Freefall. Uh, so when they were getting together to do uh, the DC vs. Stamper, it's like, okay, I'll try that. It's like, yeah, that's, that's been my jam. Um, uh, 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 God, why am I drawing a blank? My iPad is in the other room, so I can't even look at that. <laughs> um, I find... As, I, as I'm getting older, I don't know if I'm reading too many comics or not enough that my retention, or, or if this is something from reading digital versus reading physical, I don't know. 
my retention uh, kind of goes a bit. And that may also just be that I'm, you know, I'm working on my own stuff, more of my own stuff, uh, that it's kind of hard to, to retain what the hell did I read uh, the past week. Um, this is also I, the least gotcha question that always becomes a gotcha question. Of course. In every interview. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I knew that and I forgot and I, you know, it, 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 you guys are only my second podcast interview since the before times. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little rusty, but in the before times, it's like, I was smart enough. I would have a post-it note sticking, you know, on the monitor here with, well, yes, I'm, I'm reading this Tom King book and blah, 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 blah. Uh, which uh, I will say as with everybody else under the sun, uh, human target is, oh my God. It's uh, phenomenal. If, if they, if they don't, you know, win every Eisner they're nominated for there. Uh, and, and uh, I mean, I've always, I've always dug uh, Smallwood's art, but it, he's taken it to another level with this, and I'm really loving that he is doing um, like little procedural tutorials and such on Twitter. He's doing Twitter threads of like, you know, oh, this is how I did this, and pop, 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 pop. And it's like, okay, I will save that. Um, uh, and you know, like everyone else, sad that it's on a hiatus, but totally understand the reason why. And yeah, yeah. you absolutely cannot have a fill-in artist on that book. No, uh, no matter who they are, how, how awesome they are. Um, uh, uh, oh, oh! I keep thinking of things I've either I either I'm on hiatus or I haven't read yet or haven't come out yet. But uh, um, uh, Jackson Lansing and uh, uh, Colin. Oh God, I forgot his last Kelly. name. Kelly. It's Kelly. Sorry. It's Colin. Yes, Kelly. Colin Kelly. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, the hive mind. Uh, their new uh, Captain America starts. I think this Wednesday. It, yeah, uh, it is out yes. this week. Cool. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I've known Jackson. Uh, oddly enough, I've only known Jackson since lockdown. Uh, we are part of a uh, 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 a weekly Zoom uh, and got to know each other through that. And so we were privy to when to all of the to all of the mystery leading up to them actually getting the book from the moment that they said. Yeah, Jackson said it's like, yeah, we threw our hat in the ring for this thing this week. We're not going to get it, but it was fun. To, well, we're our hat's still in the ring, and up until it's like it, you know, it gets announced, and and then he's able to start sharing, you know, bits of art, and it's like, oh, you guys, this is, this is fantastic. Um, I really feel like I'm missing something big. Um, I'm enjoying size. Um, um, uh, Legion of X, which mm -hmm. I think issue two either just dropped or comes up. It just dropped, just dropped last yep, week. Yep, last week. Yeah. Um, uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, X Men, uh, uh, a, a, a prime person to inherit from uh, Hickman. Um, and like everyone else, I, I give me every edition of Hawks Pox I can get. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've, reread that there are very few comics that i will go back and reread um unless you know a huge chunk of times passed but uh i've i've gone through house of x and powers of x uh three times since they were since release um because i think there's still a lot to be mined from that and learning just fucking enjoyed and, and um, all the big developments keep recontextualizing the book too oh yeah oh yeah uh uh i'm pleased and impressed that they basically gave him the keys and said yeah try not to try, try not to scratch the car up if you have to but just don't total it um uh, uh, uh i'm trying to 
yeah, fuck it. I'm, I'm, am I reading other things? Yes. Where are they? I have no idea. Um, but they're cool. I mean, I, there are very few things. There are very few things that, that I will, I will try pretty much anything. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you can keep me through from issue one to issue two, you've pretty much got me for the, for the whole run. There it is. Well, Brian, this has been a fantastic time. Final question before we let you go. How can people follow you online and keep up with Quest Aside and anything else that uh, you've got going on? Sure. Um, best thing is probably Twitter. God help me, which is at Brian Shermer. Uh, I'm on Instagram, unfortunately, at, at Brian underscore Shermer. Uh, as you can tell, I was a late adopter there. <laughs> um, Twitter is, is much more you know, up to date. And well, I mean, I keep, I keep the Instagram, Instagram going, but, but, you know, if you want to know what's going on or where I'm going to be or anything, that's always on Twitter. Uh, I have a website uh, as with so many people, it is woefully outdated uh, and we'll need some, some TLC in the near future. Uh, uh, oh, a brief note about uh, me being on Twitter. So uh, I've been on Twitter for probably 10 years, maybe a little more. Uh, and couple of years ago, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've talked to enough people, I know enough people who have taken month-long breaks, and everyone says it's, it's fantastic for your mental health. And I got to a point where it's like, okay, I don't have anything major going on right now. I think I can I'm gonna step away. I'm going to take a month off. Uh, I, I cut the Facebook cord a while ago. Mm. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to go away from Twitter. That was late February 2020. <laughs> So Good time to duck out. <laughs> well, no, I shit you not. It's like I, I, I peace out of Twitter and, you know, maybe two weeks later, it's like, okay, the world's going to shit. It's like, oh, all right. And so I had to, had to go back in and uh, have not got back out because now I'm, now I'm afraid that, okay, if I, if I could take a break from Twitter again, is that when we get the alien invasion? You know, is that when <laughs> the, the earthquake saws California in half and sends it into the sea? Uh, I don't know. I think I, I may be the person keeping the world safe at this point uh so i'm i'm just want to say i'm i'm taking a hit for uh for everybody uh and uh yeah so if you want to follow me at brian Shermer, that would be awesome uh, you will ensure that i will be around and the rest of us will be around too well thank you for your service and brian uh, thank you so much for coming on the show <laughs> thank you guys it's a blast that's it for this week's show as a reminder wmqna is part of comics xf where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom. Chris is on Infinite Earths and Bad Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. Uh, P.S. Matt and Will, sorry I made you read White Knight again. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Kat Purcell from ComicsXF, Liz Large from ComicsXF, Will Nevin from ComicsXF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, 
Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, the Forceworks character Sentry was apparently part of Combo Man. W-N-Q-A.